Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. Today's guest is Mitch Bowler. Mitch has a fascinating story from growing up in a small town in Canada with dreams of being a video games artist to making his dreams come true and moving to live and work in the industry in China. Since then, Mitch has created a well-known platform and podcast called Pencil Kings, where he's helped thousands of artists to learn to draw. Mitch's latest project is an online learning platform called Evolve. It's designed to teach anyone how to paint to a professional level in a realism style in a year or less. It's something Sandra would have dreamed of when she was learning to paint. If you go to kickingthecreatives.com forward slash evolve, you can get a time sensitive discount off the Evolve program. We really hope you enjoy the show. So Mitch, it's so great to have you join us today. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. And we would love to start off with um, asking you a bit about your creative background. Did you come from a creative background? How did your creative sort of path begin? Oh, wow. Um, the, my earliest memory. So I was born in Calgary, Canada. Then when I was either three or four, I moved to Winnipeg, which is the city where I went to university. Uh, but I remember being in preschool, four years old, and feeling like I was in a competition with the other students. And I just wanted to make more art than anybody else. And I remember like just coming home and, and like how much stuff I would make and feeling proud about that. So I think like pretty much since I was a kid, I've been um, always interested in creating things. When I was seven years old, I told the story many times um, that I heard this rumor that there was going to be a game that was coming out that would allow you to make your own video game. So this is kind of just adding fuel to the fire that I thought if I, you know, I knew that I would have to have a job someday. And if I could have any job, I might as well have the coolest job in the world, which as a seven-year-old was like making video games. That seemed like the coolest thing I could do. And then eventually I, I realized like, oh, I, I could be an artist making video games. And I think that was kind of where everything started and, and it never left. So were your family creative? Uh, yeah, my my grandma, she had this drawing of a tree and in my memory like it was re a realistic tree i don't think it was photorealistic but it was a realistic tree and i remember seeing it it was hung in my grandma's basement and i just had this idea like if grandma could do this then i could do it and that art was something that was a possibility and um that my mom also was very crafty she was a music teacher and so i think this whole there's a theme in my family with creativity and um, education that just run through generations. I, I, I don't know if my great grandma also was an, a teacher or anything. I'm not so sure, but uh, definitely my grandma and my mom. So years later, you went to art college, but you dropped out after a year. So why was that? And what did you do next? So when I went to school, I, so when I was in high school, I was studying to be a video game artist and I, um, just to kind of reference things, because it's kind of weird to say, like, I grew up, there was a pre-internet time and a post-internet time. Like when I was a kid, there was no internet. And so when I was in high school, people started to write about becoming a video game artist. And this is very new because there was no books and video games is a very new 
field. Um, again, this seems weird to say today because all this stuff is just here, but uh, I'm talking like in the mid nineties. Mm. And so I was following this artist and he, he really did not advocate going to school. And so I was kind of indoctrinated into that mindset of, you know, art school isn't, isn't good. Uh, or sorry, just school in general isn't good. You know, you just have to work on your skills, but my parents wanted me to go. So I went. And then when I went to art school, I was a little bit disillusioned because I knew what I wanted to be and I knew what I wanted to do. And that was being a, a very skilled artist with high technical ability in making art. So just to kind of sum up what that means, it would basically, I wanted to have someone sit for a portrait and for the portrait to look like the person. Um, unfortunately, this isn't the type of school that I went to. These types of schools do exist. Um, I just went to one that more focused on creativity. So just to kind of explain what this looks like, when you go to the creativity-based schools, maybe like maybe no one can t- teach you how to make a portrait that looks like the person. And, and that might sound crazy if you've not been to art school, uh, but that was my experience that they're just – there wasn't instructors that helped you go down that path. And it was more about, well, bringing forth the, what kind of emotion do you want to express in your artwork? And so then you might have like, you might just splash red paint on everything and end up with this big smear and that's acceptable. And I can see how both sides um, are, you know, part of, of the experience of um, that we have today of the different types of art making. However, for me and what I wanted, it was, it just wasn't the right fit. So I was there, I wanted to make realistic art. Um, and that's not what it was about. Like we still, we still do like still did do life drawing and that kind of stuff. Um, but overall it was more about creativity and, um, letting that stuff shine through than the technical ability. So, um, after my first year, I just thought, well, this isn't really for me. It's not going to get me where I want to go. So I, I dropped out and got a job working as an animator. Gosh, you know, as you're talking, I can relate so much to what you're saying about art school. I really can. And I remember being in that position myself and really wanting to, you know, learn all those proper traditional techniques. And um, there was just it just wasn't happening. And I said to my tutor one day, you know, when am I going to learn those techniques? And he said, well, you're not. (laughs) He said, mainly because we don't know them. We don't know those things. You need to go to Florence to learn those kind of techniques. And I was just dumbfounded. And I was really disappointed. So we were learning things like, you know, how to make a sculpture out of um, junk you find on a beach and things like that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just not the way I was, I wanted to go. So like you, you know, I dropped out and um, it's not for everybody. So, um, What made you then choose to become a a professional video game artist over other things that you initially wanted to learn? It's, it's tough to go back because I, it it was very exploratory when I was a kid trying different things. Um, You know, I I knew that I liked drawing and I I remember old sketchbooks with Mortal Kombat and Ninja Turtles and that kind of stuff. Um, But eventually I found 3D And that's where everything just clicked. It was almost like instantaneously, it just clicked. Like it made sense to me, sort of in a Neo plugging into the matrix kind of way. It's not to say that I was doing good art. It's just that I loved doing it and it made sense immediately. And I think part of what was so cool about 3D is that it scratched that itch for realism that I was looking for. And you didn't necessarily need somebody to teach you 
to do it because the software was doing a lot of it for you. And to explain what I mean by this, so when you're when you're in 3D, you start and you have no skills. So basically, you can make spheres and cubes and <laughs> things like that. It's, it's not very useful. However, as soon as you place a light source in 3D, it now calculates all the shadows for you. And then as technology got better, it would calculate things like global illumination. And now your stuff looks like really amazing because you've got this this ambient occlusion happening. So all these soft shadows all over the place. Uh, and then you just, it's like, it's real. It's what I wanted to make. And so I think it it was kind of like a shortcut into creating the the realistic art that I wanted where I could immediately be having fun. Uh, and then it also, you know, 3D um, 3D artwork is what gets put into game engines. So it was just a natural um, kind of marriage there between the technical side and realism and art and creativity. And it was all kind of mixed together, this perfect storm and just being, um, you know, being exposed to this at a, at a very amazing time when I think it was about maybe 13 or 14 when I had my first 3D software that I could start making some things where, you know, life hasn't quite come crashing in with all these responsibilities and stuff. And the parents are still paying for everything. And, <laughs> uh, you know, you got lots of time in high school to just mess around. And so it was a very fertile time for me to develop these skills, which then translated very nicely into video games. And this was, I mean, something that I'd been dreaming about since I was about seven years old. So, um, I don't know, just, you know, I think that I was fortunate that I knew what I wanted to be from a young age and, um, nobody really showed me what to do because, or nobody around me, because I didn't know any video game artists. There was no video game studios and it just kind of figured things out and it took a long time. But um, I think the key thing is that it was fun the whole way through. I know I've heard you say about your first job and you did something to accelerate your learning. Can you explain what that was? Cool. You're going to have to Dog my memory. I've, I've had a couple first jobs. Yeah, I think my very <laughs> first first job was a paper boy. But um, if you can refresh my my memory. No, I, I, I can... remember you saying something about going in early so you could uh, get the expertise from people. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I I think I've always done this, and I, I've always like tried to figure out like what do I what do I want? What direction am I going in? And then who are the people who are already doing that and just try to be friends with them and, and understand them and understand their habits and how they work and see the world. So um, the the story that um, I had told before was going into when I had my first job working on um, you know big, big Hollywood movies was to go into the studio early because one of the, the top artists there, he would go in early. And I think it was partially, you know, this workplace just gets noisy. And mm. so when you really are passionate about what you're doing and you love your craft and you want to make sure that you're doing a, a great job, getting in early when you have that quiet time is really helpful. And so I would go in and, tr and try and learn. And, and, you know, I'm not trying to pester these people, but um, just, basically work on my own projects and then show it to these artists and then get their two cents on it. And, but then, you know, you're kind of also getting on the radar of these people. And so I think throughout my entire life, I've always been on the lookout for people who are further ahead and who that I can, you know, do my best for my own projects and then just show it to them and get their insight on it. And I try to do the same thing for people that are coming up as well, where, you know, as long as they're working I, I, they or you or anyone, as long as you're 
working at your craft and you're serious about it, it's amazing how many people there are who will help you completely for free. Um, you know, they did, they're just excited that somebody else gets it, that is passionate at the same level that they are. And they love basically nothing more than to help you make those leaps because often it's the insight that comes from, uh, knowledge combined with experience that can shortcut, you know, sometimes years worth of fumbling around on your own because they know exactly where you, where you are because they did it the hard way and they can just say, oh, well, you know, here's how to fix that thing that you're struggling with right now so that you make this quantum leap. And then you just keep moving forward and, and ideally develop friendships uh, along the way. And isn't that just how um, wonderful the internet is? Uh, you mentioned earlier when you were seven, you know, there's no internet back then. Can you imagine now trying to explain to, um, I don't know, a 14-year-old um, what it was like with no internet? Because we didn't have internet when we were kids either. And um, it would be a whole different world. And, and even now I, I think, how did we ever manage without it? You know, you sort of never get as far, would you? It's so much easier, I think, to connect because of that. Yeah, it's it's a double-edged sword, I think. You know, it's mm. great. We have all this information, but it's also like we have a thousand times too much information. So what yeah. path do you take? And then the other thing that um, I, I had heard someone, once they mentioned it, I was like, oh, wow, that is really a thing. They're talking about how in pre-internet time, you could be the best. Like I grew up in this little village, 650 people. So um, I don't know if I was the artist, the best artist. There was a couple other kids who are, who are good at drawing and whatnot. Um, but we were, we were the art kids, you know, mm. like we were known. How, however, these days you just get compared to the internet and then you're never. You're never the best. Never, <laughs> yeah. You're never the best. <laughs> and so, so it's, it's, it's hard to, to have that encouragement of people around you to kind of push you up because you, you, you could just, you know, yourself get out your phone, look on Instagram. You're like, well, you know, they said I'm good, but I'm not that good. And, um, <laughs> it's funny uh, because I get, um, I get messages sent to me um, and really well-meaning messages from family and friends who send me um, lots of videos that they've seen on the internet of these amazing realism people doing time-lapse <laughs> paintings. And uh I I think they think it's going to be inspiring and, and it's not that it's not inspiring, but it also has the opposite effect of, well, you know, that I, I cannot do that. <laughs> so yeah, it kind of not... has, it, it, like you say, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? It really is. But um, I was wondering about whether traditional drawing skills are are important as a video game artist. Is everything done digitally or is the starting point still in a sketchbook with a pencil? I think for me, the like traditional drawing skills are important, but I, it really depends on what position you're going for. And this is one of the misconceptions. I think that people play the game or you see the movie on screen or you see the television program and um, you, you misinterpret what you're seeing that it's done maybe by one person like maybe the one person handled that shot or that thing and sometimes that's the case but generally speaking it's just like giant team of people so whatever you're seeing like let's say uh game of thrones or something and there's a dragon flying well there might be literally like 50 people who worked on that thing. And so um, for some of those positions, maybe drawing is required, but for other um, positions that work on that dragon, 
there's no drawing required at all. So I've always found that being able to draw and being able to sketch, it really helps with communication because when you're trying to translate your ideas, the things that are in your head to someone else on the team, and it doesn't matter if you're um, a junior artist talking to someone who's more senior or a director or something, or if you are the the director um, speaking to someone who's um, who's on your team. Being able to sketch, it's, it's just like so helpful. And for me, the thing that never really left me was storyboarding. I, I didn't even know it was called storyboarding when I was a kid, but I would just hear, um, I would hear music that didn't have words, like a film score, for example. And then I would just draw the story that would go along with it. And because I liked comic books, um, I just naturally like did, did my own thing and they were never finished drawings, but it, it essentially it was storyboarding. And I think this um, is a skill that so many people, there's so much application for storyboarding all over the place that you could use it in your workplace. You could use it for planning a birthday, uh, like a surprise birthday party, probably a, a standard birthday party. You wouldn't storyboard it out, but a, <laughs> a surprise one you might want to. And, and, and then you could explain those ideas to, uh, a photographer, if you're going to have somebody who's photographing your surprise birthday party. But, um, so yeah, for me, I think over the, over the years, the, um, the, the, the quest for realistic drawing left the more that I got into 3d. And then the quest was more about like, how can we get the most realistic result with 3d? And then once you push, keep pushing more and more on realism. Then you, then you get to a point where you're like, well, what's the point with realism? And then you go to cartoon and you're going to stylized work. And so it all kind of comes back around on itself. And, um, well, wow. That was a, that was a really long winded. answer. (laughs) (laughs) It was a good one though. It was. (laughs) So so there was a, a point where you were no longer fulfilled by what you were doing and you moved to China to teach English. Um, how did that come about and how did it feel to walk away from, you know, that dream sort of job you once had? Okay. So I, I think just, just to clarify, I went to China first and then I walked away about Ah. 10 years later. Ah. So I went to China. Um, I, I went to art school, I dropped out and then I realized, well, I, maybe I should just get the degree and, and, kind of satisfy my parents. I think that was the main reason why I finished with art school. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do and they really wanted me to finish school. The piece of paper did come in handy though. It was, it was helpful to get a work visa to go to the United States. So I think there was, I, there's immense value for me going to art school because it allowed me to be employed in another country. Um, but after, after I had, Graduated from art school, I um, went to China and that's where I kind of like knuckled down and really got serious about making art. Um, Had an opportunity then to work in Los Angeles and Hollywood and then went back to China and built video game studios for about 10 years, the span of about 10 years. Mm -hmm. So um, that kind of catches us up. But uh, eventually I got to the point where I, when I looked ahead um, at like, what was the next thing to do? Like, what was the next move for career wise? Or what was the next project? I just, I just didn't see the same kind of passion, um, that I had all the way coming up. And I think for me, I had just changed as well. You know, I've been 
uh, if you, it's kind of weird to think about, you know, starting seven years old and then working till I was about 30, but that's, you know, that's, that's a pretty long career or like a long trajectory going after a goal and then achieving it and um, kind of working on the biggest brands and working with the best people in the world um, for one of the best video game companies. And then it, it more got to be about, okay, well, what is life about and what do I want to do and how do I, how do I structure that and and figure things out? And so that's where it, it made sense or it felt like, for me at the time made sense to, to step away. And, uh, I mean, there's positives, you know, more free time, there's negatives, like, you know, it's great having regular salary and all that kind of stuff. And, but I think for me, it, it's, it's always been about what I'm passionate about and what I want to explore. And it's like, um, I don't know if you have this experience, but once you've watched a movie, you don't want to watch it again. So, once I had helped build the third video game art outsourcing studio, it kind of, you know, even though that's like, I, at that point I was kind of minted in my career, I'd already done it. So it's time for a new challenge. It's time hmm. to change things up and explore more about um, online education and how can I help other people who might be might have that same kind of creative fire inside, but not know how to put the steps together in order to figure out how to earn income with what they're, what they're doing. And I think that's always been at the heart of what I've been trying to do for the last um, nine years or so was to help people take that passion and then connect it to like sort of like the business skills. Although I talk a lot less about the business skills, but that's been the path that I've been on personally, understanding Mm. marketing, understanding business. So that then my goal is that I can help other people do what I've done, but just way shorter. So it's kind of like what I was talking about earlier in this interview, where the, the, the people who are ahead of you, when they, if they see somebody who matches that passion, they're more than happy to share that knowledge um, because they're just excited to, to meet somebody who's also excited about it. And uh, I think it's tough for us creative people because we're often very at odds with money. And I know not everyone is, but I know I was, and it's like, it's hard to charge what you're worth. It's hard to charge at all. You just want to give things away for free and love and happiness and everyone be happy together. But you know, you have to eat as well. And so how do you uh, reconcile with all that so that you can feed yourself and provide for your family while also like helping people and being creative. And it's, it's a little bit of a tricky balance, but um, that's what I, you know, that's the the path and the journey that excites me now and the, in the one that I'm on and um, that I'm happy to wake up every morning at like six in the morning and, and get to work on this. Circling back though, to when you were, um, teaching English and I do want to come to what you're doing now um, but I'm just interested to know whether you kept your hand in when you were teaching English with your creativity so did you carry on drawing but you know even just for fun or did you just yeah, stop altogether yeah that yeah at that time so what that was when I had just left art school so I was drawing a lot at that point and I would sketch on the street and have people like coming around and looking at me and you know you you kind of stick out as a as a foreigner living in another country Mm. um, especially that time living in a a lesser known city in China 
Um, but yeah, I was, I was making art all the time and, um, it was really cool because I had figured out a way to teach English and batch the students together so that I was only working about eight hours a week and I was able to pay all of my bills and this allowed a lot of free time. And this is really where I made the transition to go from working on film projects, which is kind of where I started film and animation to really getting serious and getting into video games and making mm. a concerted effort because the film stuff, I kind of just fell backwards into, I just had the right skills at the right time and knew the right people. And so it was, it was a lot of luck involved with that. Um, but with the game stuff, that's where it got more intentional. I had to like face some of my fears with my art and um, just level up my skills so that I, I could have a place in that world of, of making video games. And what was it like going to China? Because you came from this really small village in Canada and went to China that's, you know, massive population. What was that like? Hmm. Terrifying? <laughs> I'd have been terrified. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just trying to think and go back to that that point in time. And I think that for me, growing up in this small village, I uh, and I think I was thinking about this recently about why I don't like to participate in social media so much. And I think there's something about living in the small village where I felt like everyone knew your business, even if you didn't want them to. And social media also to me feels a little bit like you're telling everyone your business, mm. whether or not you want them to know about it or not. And so being kind of an introverted person and um, I, it, um, it did, it, it like it, it wasn't terrifying. I, I just like, I wanted to escape being known and it's, it's a little bit weird. Uh, this idea that I like when, when I live here, I think, and it might be part of being a creative person. I'm not sure. Like uh, these are just my own thoughts. I don't know if it resonates with other people. I could be completely crazy, but <laughs> it's, it's like, I never really felt um, like I belonged anywhere. And so, you know, you have your family and your friends and everything is good, but as a creative person, people don't necessarily understand that you want to be an artist because everything that they know tells them you're going to starve or worse. Mm. Right. So when you have that, you, you already don't fit in from, from when you're a kid. And there was something comforting about being in another country, a foreign country where, it's like you you don't fit in, but you're not supposed to fit in. Whereas when you're back home and you don't fit in, it's like, well, I should fit in, but I don't. And I'm creative. And, and it could just be like you. I didn't have the right peer group of creative people who are like who all got it. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. But for me, I had all these weird misconceptions about what life would be like living in China. And this is going to sound so backwards and crazy now, but remember, we're like early internet days. And I yeah. thought, oh, there's going to be all these dirt roads and uh -huh. all this. Like I, like, I felt like I was going to be in some kind of a, something I'd seen maybe in National Geographic magazine, but it, you know, obviously it wasn't, it was nothing like that. And it was just kind of this idea that, um, you know, to, to open your horizons and, and see what life is like. And um, I, it was, I think it was, probably the best thing that I will have ever done in my life to go and live in another country. Mm. And I, I would highly encourage anybody uh, to do the same uh, on my podcast. We just talked about this um, recently, the idea that you don't really know what your home is like until you, um, until you go somewhere else to fully appreciate what, where you came from is, is really, cause you have nothing to compare it to. You just grew up there and you took everything as, as 
is what it is. But until you go abroad, then you then you really start to see that, oh, it's not always it is what it is. It can be very different. So while you were in China, the spark for video graphics, I think it was reignited, wasn't it, by one of your students. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that? Oh, you're pulling up lots of stories. So I want to make sure that I'm telling the right one. But um, <laughs> uh, one of the things that I did, so I was this English teacher there and there was a woman who um, she was helping me to get students and her son was um, dyslexic. So he had trouble learning in, in the school system there uh, because any of the written things like off, like with dyslexia, I, I guess, I, I don't fully understand everything. And um but is it like words get mixed up? And so he was, he would really excel at um, math, but any of the written stuff, he, he was not so good. And the, and the school system was kind of just passing him by. And so he would come and it, I would tutor him. I think he would, be, would have been 14 or maybe 13. And um, his mom was really, I, I believe very forward thinking. Uh, her name is Lisa. And in, exposing her son who the traditional school system was failing him to these foreigners who were coming to China. And at that point, China wasn't fully open the way that it is today. It was kind of like really just the beginning of it. And um, so, yeah, we, we worked on his 3d and I kind of mentored him and taught him things. Um, uh, but, but just like me, he, he did, was just passionate and he loved it. And he just like kept working on it at it on his own. And so I can maybe only take like 1% or less than 1% of, uh, of anything, uh, any credit or anything, but yeah, he just kept pushing. And uh, now he's like a top 3d artist in China and it, it you know, it didn't matter whatever his, I don't know what his high school uh, marks were. Um, uh, I can, I can't imagine that they were great because it's so competitive there, mm-hmm. but he was able to find his way with his art and, and be a very, very successful artist by, um, you know, just, just continuing to push forward. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how did Pencil Kings come about then? I'm, I'm sure some of our listeners might just think that Pencil Kings is a podcast only, but it's so much more than that, isn't it? Can you explain? So, yeah. So Pencil Kings, it's um, it's really, I think, like a community and we have a lot of different courses there. So we've hired different instructors and um you can watch the videos and you can participate in the forums where the community is and there's live community events. Um, but it really came from the idea of just wanting to teach people online. And I had originally started with a website called drawingcoach.com and pencil Kings was kind of the natural succession to that with a thinking of like, okay, so I made this site for children to learn how to draw, or that was the intention. Uh, really the, the, the goal of that project was to learn how to make a website. Um, and I just happened, you know, I like making art. So that's, that's what I did was these step-by-step drawing tutorials. Um, and so the idea was, yeah, just to, um, try to continue to teach to, um, and also to, I think advance what I was understanding about how you can, how you can monetize something, which again, kind of gets what I was talking about earlier in this, in this tricky space of um, like, how do you support yourself creatively? And so I, I, now looking back, I mean, Pencil Kings is still going. Um, We have a great community manager inside and she's doing lots of cool monthly challenges and, uh, now she's helping or she's hosting weekly skill check um, things for students to come in and build their skills and, and kind of like focus on um, getting more practice time in each week. 
But when I look back on it now, Pencil Kings was really like a lab where I could test different ideas and try things out and um, with and really just use that to get to where I'm at now and how I can see things and understand things and really have a good idea about what what's needed for for art education and to be in a place now where I think um, I can give so much more back to people because with the the understanding that I gained from running pencil kings there's a lot of like I think the main focus that that we see online is skill building but there's so much more that people don't talk about and um I wouldn't have known what that looks like without having pencil kings as that vehicle to give me access to like thousands and thousands and thousands of people who write in emails and participate in the community and all this stuff. So that now the way that I can give back to the community, just like such a greater level because the insight is so much deeper and it's been the last nine years, really understanding the art community. And um, I, you know, I'm just getting ready to get into this new phase of, of what pencil Kings is and, and how it, and what its place is in the art community. I know we're not a giant site, but um, I think we can really impact people in a very uh, deep way that that's not been seen before. And so um, yeah, that that's again, a long winded way to say, you know, <laughs> what, what is pencil Kings, but um, that, that's what it is. And, and where is that right now? Just a question about pencil Kings. Do you also teach people then how to make money with their drawing as well as actually how to draw? We we had dabbled a little bit in this before and it was a mixed it was mixed. Um because the way that we had done it before was predicated on having extremely high level skills. Um, and where I'm at now with understanding things, I think that there's, you know, obviously people make money with all kinds of creative stuff. I mean, there's stick f- people making money with stick figures. I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. So it's more about how you think about things. And, and so we, we dabbled in it, but it was pencil Kings is at the heart of it has always been about just skill development. So you've already got pencil Kings where people can learn to draw. So what made you set up the Evolve program and how does that differ? So actually, that's a perfect segue because when we had that course about making money with illustration is where it became pretty obvious to me that there was a skill gap between, um, you know, the really high level art skills that I I wanted, if we go back to the beginning of this conversation, talking about art skill or art school and um, where, where people were. So there's all these videos on online and people can watch them. And there's videos on Pencil Kings. There's lots of different other sites, but I was just seeing that people were stuck. And um, there's a, I, I, and I, again, I don't, there's no way for me to really know, but I'm guessing that about 5% of people have the ability to push through and self-educate and get to that high level realistic style that they want to. And then there's 95% of people who are just going to get lost somewhere along the way. Like maybe they're following the wrong teacher or maybe they don't have the right habits or the wrong tools. There's so many different ways that you can go wrong with art. It's really, uh, it's really difficult. And so realizing that I asked, started asking this question is like, well, what would a, 
what would a results-based guaranteed art program look like to develop, you know, like realistic art skills. And I tried to create that on my own, tried making these curriculum for a few years until it was through the podcast that I was introduced to Kevin Murphy, um, who he he basically had this, he had this school where it looked like all the kids and, and they were literally kids coming out of a school were prodigies. And it's like, if there's a few kids who are really good, maybe they're prodigies, but when like almost all the kids are really good, then you start to say, oh, well, maybe it's not the kids. Maybe it's the instructor. Maybe it's the curriculum or or both. And so then I became really fascinated um, in what he was doing, again, with this idea of like a, a a results guaranteed art program, which sounds crazy that, you know, I don't think anybody would really utter those words, but that's what I was looking for. And I think that's what attracts me to things as well. It's kind of like, well, what is a crazy idea? A crazy idea is a kid from a village of 650 people going to Hollywood and then, you know, eventually going to China and starting these game studios. It's just, it's just weird. And it's, that seems like a cool life to me. Like that's a, that's a fun story for me. That's what I want to do. And so uh, when I met Kevin and, and saw his, uh, what was happening in his school, it was just like, wow. Okay. So he's got the curriculum. And I have the experience of teaching people online and understanding the like where the online art education space is right now, what problems people are having, and how can we advance advance everything uh, based on you know advances in technology and tools, so that we could essentially think of art college, the one that I went to, and except instead of it being based on creativity, base it more on like the technical skills. And then instead of it being based in a physical location, let's make it available to anyone online, anywhere in the world, but still guarantee the results. Like that's a pretty hard, those are a couple hard things to solve. And so it seems like a really fun challenge to work on. And so we've been working on this for the last, uh, I think we're about three years into it now. And we just continue to get better and the students are getting the results. Um, And the hardest part about the program is just getting your butt in a chair. Everything like everything else has been figured out or there's support. That's basically a phone call away. So you're, if you're stuck on something, then you can just talk to somebody and through video chat, they just like walk you through the problem And then we see the problems that people are having and then we upgrade the curriculum. And so it keeps getting easier and easier and easier for the students. And it's just, I don't know if you can hear the smile on my face right now, but (laughs) it's just like exciting getting to build this. And this is, I think this is the whole thing that I'm about is like these challenges, these creative things and like, how can we build them? And it seems impossible at the beginning, but you just like keep chipping away at it. And then you look back and you're like, wow, like look how look how much ground we've covered. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's evolved as kind of like the natural evolution for what pencil Kings was. And if I'm to differentiate the two of them, I think pencil Kings is about having fun. Um, whereas I feel like evolve is about technical mastery. So even though they're both like creative they're and, and evolve has fun and pencil Kings can teach technical mastery, 
but it's not what they focus on or what they thrive on. And so it's a very um, interesting distinction. And I think for me as well, helping other creative people coming up, I can speak a lot better now to if you know about business, people say like, well, what's, what's your unique selling proposition? That made no sense to me. Almost all these business books make no sense to me until I go and try them in the wild. But now I can say like Pencil Kings, unique selling proposition, fun with art, evolve, results guaranteed, technical mastery. You know, like these are very different unique selling propositions. And so if somebody's thinking of doing something with their creative skills, I'm like, oh, how can I stand apart from other things? Like, let's talk because now I understand it and I can help you through, I can help somebody through those challenges um, with the goal of empowering them to then start making a, a living or making some kind of income with their own creative skills and then helping the next person up. And these are skills that aren't being taught at most art schools now. That's the beauty of it, isn't it? I mean, I've said to you before that, you know, had Evolve been around when I was desperately trying to learn the the old master's techniques, I'd have been there. <laughs> because you just can't find that kind of tutoring anymore unless you go somewhere like Italy or France. And of course, then you've got massive, massive art school bills. And I'm presuming this is going to be an awful lot cheaper, isn't it, than going to one of those um, prestigious colleges? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um I'm not sure what some of those schools cost. I've looked into them, but it's, it's far less. And so they, and exactly like you said, I'm I'm not sure exactly when the breaking point happened um, where realistic art kind of went out of favor and it was more about creativity, but it's like, it's been decades now. And so the, the people who could teach this, they're kind of like falling away and it's not, it's not a global problem because when I was in China, they do learn realism and it was easy to find artists who could make a portrait that looks like the person. Um, But I think here in North America, and I'm guessing for large parts of Europe as well, where where you're based, that it's kind of fallen out of favor. And um, I don't know if the pendulum is swinging back the other way where, where realism is, is the way to go. But, and I don't even know if it matters. I think what matters is that, you know, the, the student or the person knows what they want to do and then mm-hmm. they go and seek out the best resources that we, that they can. And, um, you know, that's what, that's what I tried to do. And, and when I found Kevin, I was like, okay, this is the guy I don't have to look anymore. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we're, we've been able to, to offer it, I think at a very affordable price. Like com- I, I went and looked at, um, the whole program, is less than what you would pay for just the materials cost at some at so basically I, I went and investigated like well what does art school in the US cost? And it's it's pretty crazy and it, it's across the board. There's different prices. But specifically the school that I wanted to go to, the Art Academy in San Francisco, I went and looked in, into it uh last year and and the tuition breakdown and everything and I saw the materials cost. And the materials cost, so you, that's no instruction, you, you nothing, basically just your tools, is what our, the entire Evolve program costs. Wow. And, that's amazing. And the results are guaranteed too. Mm. So it's, um, it, you know, you go through and um, you'll be able to paint a portrait at the end of it or, you know, or, or whatever you want. Can I just ask, are you concentrating in Evolve on oil painting or is it different mediums? Yeah, it's 
just oil painting. And um, I didn't know in the beginning why oil painting. And so what I came to learn after I started doing some research, because I'm a student in the program as well. I was not a, I hated painting when I was in art school. And a big part of that was that nobody could teach me how to control things. Um, but what I've learned about oil painting is it's, it's actually the easiest medium to learn. And there's all these misconceptions where it's like, oh, it's, it's toxic, which, you know, it can be, but it's not like what we put in the box isn't toxic. Um, but the main thing is, is that it takes a while for it to dry. So as a student, it gives you an opportunity to work with things. Whereas like, you know, acrylic and watercolor, they dry so fast and they're, and they're hard to manage. So it's difficult to learn. So what we teach, it doesn't limit people only to oil painting, but that's where you start. And then if you want to later, you can branch out to other things, but you'll have an extremely solid foundation of how to create realistic images. And then you can take that into whatever medium you want. Well, I'm curious to know what kind of art you create now and has Pencil Kings and particularly Evolve influenced your own art in any way? Hmm. These days, I really just sketch on um, post-it notes. (laughs) 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 But my, if you could see it now, my desk is littered with pink and yellow post-it notes, usually with like little goofy figures. And um, yeah, I just, I just kind of sketch because it's fun and um i think i'm getting back into it and like i said i'm a student in evolve now and so i'm also doing realistic oil paintings and i'm i'm excited about that but uh i think for me it's it it's always been like um it, it took a while i think to to reconcile with myself that it's like, it's okay to not make art and I can still call myself an artist because now it's about helping to bring other people up. And I think for a lot of, a long time, I was afraid to share that with people, you know, by making videos and podcasts is a great way because it feels like people listen to it, but not hundreds of thousands of people listen to it, or at least I'm not there yet um, <laughs> versus some of the websites I've had, you know, ha- would have hundreds of thousands of people visiting them. And, um, you know, you're not on video, so it feels a little bit safer. Um, but I'm, I'm ready now to like get back into doing that. And I think where, you know, I used to, my creative output used to be through drawing. Now it's going to be through making videos and, and, and speaking with people and just redirect that creative energy in a slightly different way. So where can people find out more about you and everything you've talked about today? Well, um, if you're interested in becoming a video game artist, I put a book out. Didn't sell very well, maybe because I didn't promote it very well, but <laughs> a digital artist career blueprint. So if anybody's interested in my story and, and that, um, it kind of goes through the steps of how you could uh, build a career as a digital artist. And that's on Amazon. Um, if you look up my name, Mitch Bowler, you'll find it there. Um, it, and it's a couple bucks, like I think on uh, for Kindle, I think I have it at $2 or $3 or something. Uh, but then you can hop over to Pencil Kings as well. And we also have a podcast. So if you um, like listening to artist interviews, it's kind of a all over the place. And I've had uh, Sandra and, and Tara on, on the Pencil Kings podcast. So um, there's that. And as well as at Evolve, you can go and check us out there at evolveartist.com. Fantastic. Brilliant. Oh, it's been such a pleasure chatting to you today, Mitch. It really has. And um, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, likewise. Take care. Bye. Bye. Don't forget, if you're interested in learning more about the Evolve Artist Programme, 
you can get a time-sensitive discount by going to kickinthecreatives.com forward slash evolve. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on iTunes. 